writing that song kind of saved me a little bit. This comes from Billie Eilish's acceptance speech after winning Best Original Song at the Golden Globes for What Was I Made For? The song is featured on the Barbie soundtrack. Among other awards, it received five Grammy nominations, including Record of the Year and Song of the Year. The track was commercially successful worldwide and reached number one in Australia, Ireland, Switzerland, and the United Kingdom. But it peaked at only 14 on the Billboard Hot 100 in the United States. I don't know if you're like me, but when I'm watching a movie and a song resonates with the scene and I dig its melody, I'm pretty quick to shazam the identity of the tune off of the TV. My liked music on my music app is basically a cacophony of trends from popular on-screen songs. I also don't think this habit of asking my phone to identify a song from the couch is exclusive to me. So when I read that What Was I Made For never hit the top 10 songs on North America's Billboard chart, it got me thinking about how the world has changed. It used to be that the biggest movie of the year would also produce one of the biggest songs of the year. So what happened? Why aren't soundtracks just as popular today as they were in the 80s and 90s? And in the post-iPod era, what could make a song from a movie hit just right again? Welcome to Another Lens. My name's Jay Kennedy, and I like movies. On this show, I'd like to explore what's happening today in the world of film, dive into Hollywood's short history, and share with you my thoughts about what's rattling around in my head when it comes to movies. So if you'll join me, grab a hot cup, get comfy, and let's take a look from Another Lens. While writing this script at my small desk in my two-bedroom apartment, I happened to be doing laundry. The timer went off on my smart speaker, and as I walked in to grab my dried clothes, I was greeted by another tenant. As I was gathering up my belongings, I asked her, Hey, let me ask you a weird question. Explaining to her I was writing this script, What's a song from a movie that touched you and you'll just never forget it? The woman, a little older, possibly in her late 60s, smiled and said, that tune from The Notebook, when they're dancing. I smiled and thanked her. The song is Billie Holiday's I'll Be Seeing You. I'll be seeing you. Now, I'll Be Seeing You was a popular song about a missing loved one. Bing Crosby, Frank Sinatra, and Brenda Lee They've all performed this song, but it was first published in 1938, inserted into the Broadway musical Right This Way, which closed after very few performances. The title of the 1944 film, I'll Be Seeing You, was taken from this song at the suggestion of the film's producer. It's a very popular song. In fact, Billie Holiday's 1944 recording of the song was the final transmission sent by NASA 
to the Opportunity rover on Mars when its mission ended in February of 2019. And of course, it was featured in The Notebook. My neighbor has great taste. And this is what I love about the songs from cinema. It takes you back to a feeling that you had, and you can't help but picture characters you care about within a story that resonated with you. That's why about 80% of what's left of my physical musical library are soundtracks. Before the turn of the millennium, if you liked a song from a movie, you'd have to get yourself to your local music store to purchase a copy of the film soundtrack. Or if you were lucky, you might have been able to wait for the song to play on the radio and hit record on your boombox, cementing the track on your very own bootleg cassette. And while millennials and Gen Z listeners are more likely to pick up streaming platforms than turn to a radio station, listening time on an AM or FM band is on the decline much slower than you might have originally thought. The bigger challenge for radio stations is that advertisers have been reallocating budgets to digital platforms and other emerging media. But people still listen to the radio for free all of the time. But before there were alternatives to catching your favorite track on the dial, the movies had a massive impact on a song's sales trajectory. And the award shows have recognized that impact in the past. But before we get into this, you've got to know this about me. I think award shows are giant events for advertisers to sell cars and the actual nominations are just a flashy way to market these movies. And that can be good for the general movie going public, but I don't believe they're always right. I'll never forgive the 40th awards in 1967 when talk to the animals from Dr. Doolittle beat out Burt Bacharach's The Look of Love from Casino Royale and The Bare Necessities from The Jungle Book. But okay, let's take a look together at some of the most popular songs you still know today that also took home the Oscar for Best Original Song. The category was first introduced during the 7th Academy Awards in 1934. And what you should know is that Bing Crosby and Fred Astaire were the biggest things in entertainment at the time. From 1934 to 1937, Bing topped the Billboard charts with three songs and Fred with one. All four of these songs were written for movies of the day. One of them also won Best Original Song. It was Sweet Lelani and it featured in the 1937 movie Waikiki Wedding. The song and picture are relatively obscure today, but two years later, a little song released in 1939 would win Best Original Song and become a young singer's signature. The film's soundtrack wouldn't be released until 1956, but that didn't stop MGM from releasing a studio recording to capitalize on its immediate popularity. It's been re-recorded many times over with artists like Ava Cassidy, Jerry Lee Lewis, Ariana Grande, and Catherine McPhee's version in 2006 reached number 12 on the Billboard Hot 100. I'm talking about Judy Garland's Over the Rainbow from The Wizard of Oz. 
it has become one of the most iconic and enduring songs in the history of American cinema. Garland received a special mini Oscar known as the Oscar Juvenile Award for her performance in the film. I often forget she was only 17 years old. After Garland's success, Bing Crosby would score one more time with both the Oscar and best-selling song a few years later, this time with a new Christmas track written for the film Holiday Inn, and we hear it every year when the season changes to the holidays. It's White Christmas. Christmas music would become Crosby's bread and butter. As for the Academy, they would only award one more holiday tune as best original song in their 95 years. That was the ever-controversial Baby It's Cold Outside, which was written for the film Neptune's Daughter in 1949. The best original song category would continue to help popularize favorites like The Way You Look Tonight from Swing Time and Swingin' on a Star in the Bing Crosby-led Best Picture winner Going My Way. Bing would win his only Academy Award for actor in the same picture. Then Disney started making feature films, and you really started to see how big their songs resonated with the world. Pinocchio's When You Wish Upon a Star was the first to take home the award. This was followed up by Zippity Doodah, the song from the 1946 film Song of the South that's been all but erased from history. And this is because the Walt Disney production downplayed the harsh realities of slavery and racial inequality. Racist stereotypes perpetuated the film's portrayal of Uncle Remus, the film's black narrator. Due to the concerns, there's been a removal of Song of the South from circulation. But we still know the tune today, and I promise I won't sing it for you because you don't need it stuck in your head, like me. After World War II, musicals made a massive comeback, and the soundtracks of West Side Story, My Fair Lady, Mary Poppins, Camelot, and Jesus Christ Superstar were bestsellers of their respective years. But as the music industry began to change, so would the big winners for Best Original Song. After Audrey Hepburn's sweet voice crooned in Breakfast at Tiffany's, Moon River would take home Oscar. The gleeful rendition of Raindrops Keep Falling on My Head won in 69 for the buddy western Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. And to this day, one of my favorite personal stories comes with the best original song winner from 1971, and I'm going to share that with you right now. I had just moved in with my girlfriend, who is now my wife. I was alone and I was sorting through boxes. I found a mixed CD from her old college boyfriend. Now, I am certainly not jealous that my wife had relationships before me. I did too. But if you find a mixtape that was given to your girlfriend from an ex, it is the law that you put it on immediately and you play that tape. The first track is the song in question. The familiar notes roll and I'm getting right into it. I know what's coming after three minutes of funky and sensual grooves by Mr. Isaac Hayes, the lyrics grab the air, provocative and definitely a little exploitive, but also extremely cool. That was also the nature of the film Shaft. And I can dig it. Big respect for the bravado of my wife's ex to start a mixtape 
with the theme from Shaft. I set all the speakers to high volume and waited for her to get home. As she walked through the door, the music sprung to life and I dance walked towards her, holding the empty CD case. We both had a big laugh and enjoyed the remainder of the theme from Shaft, 1971's best original song. Damn right. A couple of years later, we would see the next enormously popular song. The flick was released at the end of 73 and starred Barbara Streisand and Robert Redford. 1974's Billboard charts would have The Way We Were as their biggest song of the year. The Streisand hit would go on to beat out Paul McCartney's Bond theme, Live and Let Die, at the Oscars, and the award would go to Marvin Hamlish for a second time. By the end of Hamlish's career, he earned himself a place amongst an elite group of people, the EGOT winners. Four Emmys, four Grammys, two Oscars, and a Tony. In 1978, it was time for disco, and John Travolta strutted down a sidewalk in Saturday Night Fever. The soundtrack would become the best-selling album of the year, and with 40 million copies sold, would become one of the highest-grossing soundtracks of all time. As we left the world of disco behind, the 1980s began to market not only their films, but their soundtrack together. The first big success story would be Flashdance, which had two nominations for Best Original Song, the title track and Maniac. The soundtrack would sell 20 million copies, and the movie took home the Academy Award for Flashdance, What a Feeling. More massive soundtracks would rule Sony Walkmans during this time, such as Purple Rain, Dirty Dancing, Footloose, The Big Chill, and Top Gun. Other massive movie songs were passed over by the Academy, like Rocky's The Eye of the Tiger, Ghostbusters, The Power of Love from Back to the Future, and the title track from Footloose. But they'd also get some right. Top Gun's Take My Breath Away by Berlin won in 86. There would have been riots if Dirty Dancing's I've Had the Time of My Life didn't take home the little gold statue, and the animation studio that had seen so much success before the 1950s was about to make a comeback. It's impossible to talk about the music of Disney's renaissance without tipping your hat to Howard Ashman. Ashman once said, The last great place to do Broadway musicals is in animation. The lyricist would team with Alan Menken, to bring back Disney Animation Studios from Ruin with The Little Mermaid. Howard Ashman famously told Disney executives he was going to quit when they told him to cut Part of Your World. Howard called it a classic I Want song, a song where the protagonist expresses their desires and hopes and dreams, and so when we move to the end of the film, we watch their motivation to get what they've always wanted. The song stayed, and the success of the partnership would bring an Academy Award back to Walt Disney Studios for Under the Sea. The pair began working on Beauty and the Beast. In 1991, the top-selling song of the year would be Brian Adams' Everything I Do, I Do It For You from Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. It would be nominated for Best Original Song, 
and it would lose to Beauty and the Beast. An animated story with three original songs nominated in the category, it was unheard of. Since then, only two other films have ever received three Best Original Song nominations, Dreamgirls in 2006 and Enchanted in 2007. But in 95 years, no other film in the history of the awards has had three songs nominated and was also a contender for Best Picture. Beauty and the Beast had pushed Disney back into the world and the renaissance was in full swing. Tragically, Ashman would pass away during the AIDS crisis of the late 80s and 90s and would never see what his music had accomplished for Disney and the world. The studio would win four more Best Original Song Awards before the 2000s, using the framework Howard had insisted on. Each hero had their I Want song. Pocahontas's Colors of the Wind, The Lion King's Can You Feel the Love Tonight, Tarzan's You'll Be in My Heart, and Aladdin's A Whole New World, which was an upset victory for a legendary artist with the greatest selling soundtrack of all time. In 1992, a film birthed a soundtrack that has gone on to become not only the best selling soundtrack of all time, but the best-selling album by a female artist of all time. It would sell 45 million copies. To compare, Michael Jackson's Thriller, the best-selling album ever, has sold 70 million copies. And this one is a soundtrack. Of its two nominated original songs, the song that became Billboard's number one hit of 1993 wasn't actually eligible for an Academy Award because it had been written years before by Dolly Parton. But Whitney Houston's rendition of I Will Always Love You remains my favorite. The film, of course, is The Bodyguard. Houston won the Grammy for Record of the Year and the Grammy Award for Best Pop Vocal Performance Female in 1994 for I Will Always Love You. She also won a Grammy Award for Album of the Year for the Bodyguard original soundtrack. And before her life ended tragically in 2012, a beautiful piece Whitney performed would win Best Original Song from the Prince of Egypt soundtrack. It was called When You Believe and she sang it with Mariah Carey. While the 1980s started the idea of marketing movies and soundtracks together, general audiences really ran with it in the 1990s after the bodyguard sales went through the roof. 1994's biggest selling album was the Lion King soundtrack, 1995's biggest song Coolio's Gangsta's Paradise from the Dangerous Mind soundtrack, in 1997 Celine Dion's My Heart Will Go On won Best Original Song at the Oscars and likely would have been the biggest song of the year. But in 1997, Diana, Princess of Wales, was killed. Elton John's touching tribute, Candle in the Wind, was the best-selling song that year. However, in 1998, as the phenomenon grew, Titanic soundtrack was the best-selling album of the entire year, with 30 million copies sold, besting the double-platinum Armageddon soundtrack 
that featured Aerosmith's I Don't Want to Miss a Thing. Then, the new century began, and you could start to see that music was being treated more like a right than a privilege. The peer-sharing app Napster made MP3s a thing, the iPod was only a year away, if you liked one song and one song only, then you didn't need to go and buy a whole album. And as if overnight, the music industry started to change. In 2003, the Eminem show was the best-selling album of the year. And at the Academy Awards, the first ever hip-hop track won Best Original Song. It was Lose Yourself by Eminem from the rapper's semi-autobiographical film, Eight Mile. And from that moment on, the category began to expand. In 2004, the first ever foreign language song won from the film The Motorcycle Diaries. In 2006, the song was I Need to Wake Up, and it was written for the documentary An Inconvenient Truth, of all things. In 2008, Slumdog Millionaires won Best Picture, and so did its original song Jai Ho. But soundtracks weren't selling, and throughout the 10 years of the 2000s, a movie wouldn't have a tie-in song charting a number one on the Billboard chart. But leave it to Disney to step up again. If you told me that in 2006, the best-selling album would be from a television movie, I would be shocked. If you told me that the title of that movie was the working title that they didn't bother to change, I'd be floored. And if you told me that a Disney Channel movie would spawn two sequels, find its way to theaters, and create a new franchise that would break the 2022's best new artist to the world, I would be jaw-dropped. But that's what happened. Guys, I've literally gone to a high school adaptation of this Disney Channel movie. Yep, we're talking about High School Musical. The success of this franchise is bonkers. It's launched the careers of Zac Efron, Vanessa Hudgens, and now from High School Musical, the musical, the series, Disney Plus spinoff, it's launched pop star Olivia Rodrigo. And yeah, High School Musical soundtrack was the biggest album of the year in 2006. And it would stay that way as the last best-selling music album from a movie until the Greatest Showman soundtrack in 2018. So what happened? We still have the big songs from the movies. Frozen's Let It Go was a phenomenon and everyone can sing all the words to Shallow from A Star Is Born. The Bond themes consistently are terrific with Adele's Skyfall being the standout from the Daniel Craig era. And what about Bruno? Are we just not going to talk about Bruno? Yeah, I know, I know. We don't talk about that guy. Okay, so for starters, music has changed. The landscape of movies and these amazing songs don't always lend to the bangers that people are used to today. And with the change in music consumption, people don't need to find music in the multiplex. They're doing just fine swiping through TikTok. And while you might sit down to listen to your favorite artist's album, the same patience isn't given any longer to the diversity that lives on a Hollywood soundtrack. That's what Spotify playlists are for. And the biggest change is the promotion and marketing. The success of a soundtrack and film need that together push. And right now, 
In today's film economy, you'll be lucky to break even with the enormous budgets set aside just for one blockbuster film. And those are the ones dominating what people go to theaters to see. You need to promote the movie more than you need to promote a song or an album. So maybe we're past that era of enormous music hits coming from our movies. But I can't imagine a time where I'll ever give up the thrill of discovering a new track as I sit on the couch and hit the Shazam app on my phone. Instantly discovering something new that I didn't know existed before that moment and filing it away for future listens. At least to me, that still sounds really good. I really appreciate you sticking through to the end. Reach out to me anytime at j.kennedy at outlook.com. New episodes are available weekly, so be sure to subscribe for the next one. I'm Jay Kennedy, and you've been listening to Another Lens. The show will be back soon with another perspective.